Welcome to the Specify Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Tats Nakagawa of Castagra Products. Each week, I talk to leaders and experts about how to overcome adversity, grow massive organizations, and how to create meaningful change in the building materials and construction industry. Today's guest is Luke Hansen. He's the founder and CEO at CompanyCam. So Luke, thank you. Thank you for uh, coming on the show. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So I'm really appreciative because, you know, I know you're really busy with lots of podcasts and, you know, the business growing, but what really sort of struck me with your background is you came for the roofing industry, which, you know, we're a part of as well. So um, it, was that a family business that you, you were in? Yes. So my, my dad, he wanted to be like a coach. I believe he got a master's degree in, I think it was sports science, like being a trainer and, and like a coach. And this was the economy was cruddy. It was kind of like very late seventies, early eighties. And he started working with a, a guy kind of just roofing houses, doing stuff. And it just, you know, became the career. So, and then I was, I was born in 84. So they, when they sort of launched fully their business, when they were like, okay, we're just going to do this. That was in 1984, I believe the year I was born. So I grew up, I mean, I remember my dad coming home from work, like, you know, roofing houses. And then once I was like, I think I was 13 when I started, you know, you're cleaning up the ground and then you graduate to like tearing off and then you graduate to getting to actually nail down the shingles. Then you graduate to being the first one that gets to start shingling when other people are still tearing off. And, it, <laughs> and then before, you know, I'd like ran the marketing and the kind of done almost every job, you know, outside of like accounting. <laughs> type of thing at a, at, at our family's roofing business. And we, when I was in high school, it was like me and my buddies were the crew essentially. And then, you know, it was like, there was like three of us that were like 16. And then there was three dudes that were like 40 and we were making it happen. And we were just like thinking, how can the, what is the fastest way for us to get out of here so that we can like go to the pool or just, you know, be done for the day working. And this was gosh, well, I'm 38. So easy 20 years ago. Now they've got, you know, on the order of a hundred employees they're doing, it's kind of just, you know, it steadily grew every year. My dad was very much like a, he has that like investment mindset, which is hard because I have an instant gratification mindset. Like, Oh, I have something. What can I buy? What can I do? But it just like, we just kind of methodically grew and then Come 2014 is when I started kind of getting the idea for company cam with, you know, what I do now and transitioned from the roofing to the tech, which was definitely a fun experience. <laughs> so how is that transition like? Cause you know, I mean, obviously there's uh, people that are looking at starting in different things and being able to transition to another industry or another field. Like, did you naturally have that in you or was everything just a massive learning curve? Hopefully both. I remember like I had to every year I worked for him, you know, through high school, off and on through college, you know, and then I dropped out of college and then I worked for him and I went back to college kind of off and on just working for him, graduated college, moved to Spain for a year with my wife because she's a Spanish teacher. And so we ended up teaching like in their schools for a year and then came back and he would, I just remember he would kind of make me give him this like yearly commitment. 
like, are you going to be here next year? And I'd be like, <laughs> you know, can you commit to being here next year? And I'm like, um, no, or yes. You know, usually it was yes. Yes. I will be here next year. I don't think I'm, I don't have a big plan of getting out of here. I, I was never sort of set on doing that forever. I wasn't even opposed to it, but I just, I didn't have that level of kind of like commitment and interest in like, in how can we just make this kind of a great company? And that didn't really capture my imagination in a sense of what could be there. And I loved a lot, like I loved a lot of the work and a lot of the, like the problems that came up, like, Hey, like making the website or, you know, just the, the, the nature of it, but it was never that exciting to me to imagine like what the future could be. And that's where in imagining what the future could be for company camp, when we were kind of start thinking about this idea, I kind of, I just got like obsessed with it. I was like this, no one's doing this. I can't figure out why I can't find a solution to this problem. Someone has to do this. Like I just, there's this kind of idea that entrepreneurs are just kind of like pie in the sky. They just think everything's going to work type of a thing, which you, you know, people like that probably, you know, but to me, I think a lot of successful things that work are come from people who are sort of naturally skeptical, you know, like, and you're like, yeah, like I had this idea and you're trying to be like, why isn't this going to work? Like, what am I wrong about? And you kind of like hammer against it over and over. And you're like, no, I mean, we need this. I'm ready to buy this right now if it existed. And that's how we came into it. But what was really like making software is different. Like the economics of it are very different than a like construction business, you know, like you have to spend like a ton of money or if you don't know how to code, which I didn't know how to code, you have to spend a lot of money upfront, whether it's just on paying salaries of people. And these people are like, you know, software engineers that are good demand high salaries or even a dev shop or something. And then if you're going to go try to get customers, you know, your customers pay you every month. And so you end up usually having to spend more money to a, to like get a customer, then they're going to pay you in that first month. And like this sort of general rule of thumb is that if your customers pay you back in a sense over 12 months, then you're, you're, you're winning like the economics work out in the future, but just that kind of, it just, you can't go into every roofing job and lose money and make, you know, and make it up in volume, right? <laughs> like you, yeah. it, but here it's like, okay, it does make sense to spend money into kind of like growing your business because most of the value of, of your customers is in kind of the long term and the fact that they're probably going to be your customers in the future. And I think I had a lot of the right kind of intuitions about it because I did understand the problem and the roofing business, especially we have customers across all like trades and even uh, kind of outside of construction, but mostly just trade contractors are, are really our customer base. But I knew how painful it was to try to switch software. I mean, the idea of setting up one of these run your business softwares at the time, and I, it's important to remember I'm lazy. And so, but it was like overwhelming. I was like, oh, I can't even imagine how much everything would fall apart if we tried to put in this whole new software that kind of ran everything. But what we were offering was like, hey, here's this tool that solves a real problem that you have that you can just add in, lickety split, everyone can be using it and you don't have to kind of flip everything around. But I knew that like the pain of like removing that is 
is not something that people want to do. Like if you're going to replace a product, you got to be way better. If you're, if people are going to be like, I'm going to stop using this, I'm going to start using this. But if it's just kind of a net new thing that, oh, we get this new capability or this would save us a bunch of time. Like those are easy decisions to make. And that's kind of how we looked at it at the beginning of like, you know, we can do this. That was the thought. We can do this. And it turned out to be a lot harder than it's, it looked easy on paper. <laughs> Nothing's ever as easy as you thought so it was going to be. You're exactly. I, I, I feel your pain. So you're pouring money into this, right? Because of the initial fixed uh, costs associated with getting it up and running. At what point did it start working well enough that you knew you were going to be okay? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a good question. You know, it was probably a few, I mean, like two years in to where I was like, oh, like we actually have something. We had something before that, but like we were basically, you said you invested money, which is not quite right. Like it, mostly my dad invested money, you, you know, through the fact that when we started the company, my, my, I have two brothers who both, they basically run the roofing business now. And my dad and the the four of us or our families are, are, you know, essentially even partners in starting company camp. And the idea was like, hey, they're going to work at the roofing company. And that's going to be like the fact that that's the family business and it's generating revenue that will support this. And then we don't have to give away a bunch of this business to outside investors up front. And but I was keenly aware that I was lighting my dad's money on fire like I and on a pretty regular basis to a pretty significant degree to the point that, you know, it was good that we didn't have to go to investors, but it, at the same time, I'd care a lot less about losing their money than my dad's money. I mean, that was big in the sense that he built that roofing company, which supported our whole family. We all worked there. We saw how he operated it and just kind of like how he treated people, how just what can work over time? Because you know anything can work maybe in the short term, but if you're going to do it for 30 years, you're not going to change your phone number and you're going to not walk around town and be hated by everyone. You need to do, do things right. And he did. And then, I mean, he believed in the idea, but just to believe in me and say, hey, yeah, we're supporting this. That was really empowering, but it also was like, it was extra pressure. It was, because you don't want to, also not be contributing to the main business, be burning money and sort of caught, you know, th there was just, I just remember that kind of like a lot of worrying about that. What I came to find out is that like, it's really hard at the beginning, like getting your first customer or your first 10 or your first hundred, that's really hard. Getting the next hundred is way easier, you know, getting the next thousand. I mean, we added I think we added 1134 new companies, paying companies last month. And I promise you that was that was 100 times easier than the first 1000 that we added. And just that it's almost like you know kind of gets rolling becomes more accepted, people talk about it, you have a reputation, gets easier and easier, but when we started I was thinking like we need to make $10,000 a month. If we can make $10,000 a month, we can pay me, we can pay our engineer Chad. And we are live, essentially. It took a fair while, maybe it, I can't even remember, to get up to that. But then, you you know, we kept hiring more people and we were always 
kind of like burning money. But at that like 2017 time is when I kind of looked around and we had maybe, gosh, between 15, 20 people. And like we clearly could have been running the business profitably if that's what we were trying to do versus trying to just to grow, to put put capital into growth. And that was like a relief. But at the same time, it gets easier in certain ways as you get more successful. You, the things that you worry about change a little bit, but they there's still plenty to plenty to worry about and plenty of especially here people. We got 200 and X, maybe 10, 215 people that you know you're relying on this thing to provide for their family, do this thing. So even though it's definitely working, it's always like, I don't know. You just, you know, you carry a little concern about it. Yeah. Well, because the thing is with that many people, you, you, you know, it doesn't matter how well it it's, it's going in trajectory wise, there's going to be always fires every day. There are. And I, that's one thing I realized I'm a bad manager. Like I'm good at building things. I really like how things work, new ideas, this kind of stuff. But the kind of like accountability management of people, that's like, that's not my strength, that kind of operations of running a business like this. And so I have a really good team and a structure now that like very, very few things are become my direct problem. And it's kind of like putting people in a position to play to their strengths. Like we definitely have people whose strength is like managing complex operations, delivering, getting things done. And they're not going to come up with maybe the next great idea or that kind of thing. And so that while there is, there's always kind of like problems. In fact, there's always problems. You got people, you got problems, hundred percent guarantee. Now, how much you let those problems kind of like affect you and what problems you have. I think is what's really important. And I think overwhelmingly now we have good problems, you know, how problems of kind of growth and creativity versus risk of, you know, demise. Sure. Absolutely. So what sort of, sort of key things, cause you know, you have this structure in place. I mean, how much of this, the stuff that your dad did in terms of structure and method, uh, sorry, structuring it and sort of building it out helped you sort of build the structure required to keep your company together because there's a learning process right in creating that structure yeah and i i think that's like the sort of structure is one thing that i did particularly the structure came over time i think what really worked for me was just kind of like the way that you sort of treat people and how you can kind of manage people and lead people to want to be a part of it, to care, to work hard, to work together, to be cooperative. That was what really kind of worked in the beginning. And I know from my dad, like seeing how he treated people and this kind of idea of like, as the leader, you're essentially the servant of everyone. You get to make the final decision on a lot of things, but your real job is to make sure that everyone else can do their job. So I think that I had the basic right mentality and having just seen it work was really helpful. And then that that kind of like structure is what took more time to build where I wasn't kind of like deciding everything almost like ad hoc, like, Hey, I want to raise. Okay. Let's think about it. You know, like the, putting in place these structures that just help you manage your business 
I was sort of like managing everything. And when you've got five people, you can kind of just do it. You don't want to do it that way, but you can get away with it because it's just not that complex. It's kind of an, it's almost an analogy to company cam. If you have two people, now I say this, and we probably have 10,000 customers that have two users at their company, you know, but I would say if you're one person, company cam, hey, I think you should use it. It'd be good for you. But the problem is not as painful for you when you've got one person or even two people. When you've got 20 people, then these problems of like organization, communication, accountability are just really hard and you need a system to handle them. Your ad hoc kind of methods are just going to constantly fail. And I found that like my kind of like ad hoc hustling around making decisions was slowing everyone down versus speeding up when you're little that can speed you up. But when you're bigger, that can slow everyone down because they're all looking at this one guy who's, you know, in a sense, approving things. I think it's more of the character element that helped. And then I had to figure out the structure very different than a, than a roofing company. Sure. Absolutely. With that transition, was it a, a hire that helped you or just trial and error or just, you know, adopting some sort of system? So we, okay, it was several things. I'd say the number one thing was just some people that we promoted and or brought in, like put people in a role where they had more responsibility. And I used to say this to every person we hired, look, I am just looking for people who want more responsibility. If you want responsibility and show me that you can handle responsibility, there's an unending amount of responsibility to be had. <laughs> it's a bottomless pit. We'll never dig out. What you can be responsible for here, if you keep showing that you can handle being responsible and it doesn't, you don't have to be the smartest person. You don't even have to work the longest hours. You just have to like, like care and think like you own this place and, you know, take the responsibility. And so once I kind of like really wrap my head around that and puts promoted some people and then and brought in, I think of a handful of people over the years that brought in that just kind of made like a, a shift change in in our ability to kind of manage. Then we did the EOS traction system for quite a while. And we still do elements of it. We have, have like an L10 meeting and the kind of the stuff from that system. But that, what I would tell our team is we wanna, we wanna innovate. We wanna come up with new smart ways to do things, but we wanna do that sort of with our product and to help empower our customers. We don't need to come up with a new way to do an org structure, a new way to run an effective meeting, a new way to do accountability. You know, like all of this stuff is like pretty well understood in just adopting a system that you can basically follow. And then another thing I say a lot is like, you gotta know the rules to break the rules or you ought to know the rule. Like if you, if we have a system, let's follow the system and then, we can decide to break the rules, but we should at least know why this rule exists or why people do it this way. Because if we don't know, this is like a little bit of my social critique of the world, which is like a lot of people that don't know why things are the way they are, have very strong opinions about why things should be the way that they want them to be. And, and to me, like a prerequisite for let's radically change something is like, let's make really sure that we understand how it came to be this way, why most people do it this way. And we may decide, hey, we're going to do it different for some reason, but we don't want to just blindly spend all of our time trying to figure out how to run effective meetings when you can read a chapter in a book. And it's just like, yep, we'll do that. 
That's right. You, you can't be busy innovating everything. So that makes sense. Hey, so I, you know, company cam, get the word out. You know, you have to do marketing. I see some fun marketing stuff. What's something that's worked really well for you in terms of marketing? Okay. So over the years, a lot of things recently we made these, we call them floaty ads, like, like floating. And it really is me talking about something about company cam. It's like, Hey, you're a contractor. Don't you hate it when you leave the job site? You think everyone knows what needs to get done, but sure enough, they go sideways. They don't figure it out. Wouldn't it be nice if they had a checklist that they had to complete? And the only way they could prove they checked them off was with this photo. And anyway, so it's a video and it's like my face is kind of almost like bouncing around the screen and you see the app in the background. People have probably seen these because we'd run a lot of these digital ads. Yeah. And those have just been really successful. A lot of people see those, they sign up, they kind of understand the basic value. And and over the years, advertising on social media has worked well for us. Referrals have worked really well. But when it comes to that kind of like getting more customers over the last, let's say six months, we just like one day they came to me and said, Hey, we're going to, we think this type of video could be cool. So sit down here and we want to shoot 16 of them, <laughs> four for painting, four for restoration, four for roofing, four for landscaping. And, and like basically along these topics. And I was like, well, do you have a script? No, you just start saying, you know, they know that I don't have a problem getting in front of a mic. It's talking. And so in, in literally it was like in 26 minutes, we shot, 16 of those videos and it took them a you know a little while to kind of edit them and put them all together because that was like a lot of the magic is like they're they're kind of funny and they just did a good job of making them but those have been good we kind of are living in this world now but definitely it's becoming more so that your advertising needs to be that like is the content in a sense like that the closer your ad can be to being something entertaining that people that people would watch just because it's worth watching versus because it's about your product, the better you're going to be. Now, that is risky. If you're trying to be funny and entertaining, there's a probably better than average chance you're going to be not funny and boring. And <laughs> if you're trying to be funny and entertaining and you're actually not funny and boring, then that's embarrassing and you don't want to be embarrassed. And so there's sort of like a high risk. What I would argue is that we actually think it's riskier than it is because we're all more afraid of being kind of embarrassed or be, being bad at something than we should be. But, you know, those can really work or they can really not work. Whereas if you're just kind of doing run-of-the-mill informational stuff, the local TV station comes out and like does a pan across your building and uh, quality, you know, roofing. And they just, that stuff, that stuff will do something, but it has no potential to like be really good for your business. And so I try to make sure that everyone around here knows that they have permission to really to kind of go for it, to like, mm -hmm. hey, try something. Just it may not work, but it's better us experimenting a lot and kind of trying these new things is going to be better in the long run. We're going to have a lot more opportunities at doing something that works really well that a lot of people see versus versus being boring. I think I'm allergic to boring. I don't like boring at all. Things that are boring. <laughs> I go out of my way really far to try to avoid kind of just like normal boring stuff in a sense. Yeah, yeah. T and tell I, me about that. And I <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't know like 
it's like even just in conversation talking about, you know, kind of like the weather or the thing. It's like, look, I have plenty of like random. Hey, in fact, it's freaking freezing here. It, the wind chill this morning was negative five degrees. We're in Lincoln, Nebraska. So there's, you know, there's a lot of these conversations to be had, but I'm, it's, I like a lot of people are more interested in trying to say something to, to you that they think you will think is cool or make them look good or something like that, then it is kind of like a real thought that they have or something they're really interested in. And I don't really care at all about what you think I might think is cool or, you know, way more interested in what you actually are into and what you actually know something about. And even if I don't care about that topic at all, if you do, then I'm kind of like, I'm almost automatically interested in that. So I, it's not so much as it is boring as it is like, uh, the kind of like the shallowness or the, the kind of the safety of just not touching anything that has a chance of conflict or that could make me look, look stupid. And I think I, I try to also tell this to anyone, anyone around here who'll listen to me is the, like not being afraid to look stupid. Like in order to accomplish something big, to, to like learn something, you're going to go through a phase or you're going to have moments where it's actively embarrassing. You look bad at it. You are bad at it. And you just have to be bad for a while until you can be good. And if you're not willing to go through that, like the most obvious version of this to me is learning another language. Like if you're going to learn another language, you have to speak. And when you speak, you are going to sound like an idiot because you don't, you know, you sound like a two-year-old. And then maybe eventually, if you get really good, you'll sound like, like a six-year-old speaking this language. But if, if you can't move through that and, and, and in a sense, kind of like deal with it, like you won't, you'll never progress and you'll basically be stuck wherever you are. And that I don't know. I've seen that learning a language, trying to learn how to yeah. play the drums or build an app or make commercials or ads for this thing. Like I've looked stupid a lot and Hey, you know, maybe someone will watch this podcast and be like, God, this guy still looks so stupid, but often on the other side of that it is where the accomplishment lies. Like that is where success is, but you got to go through that and being willing to do that and trying to give, I'm pointing out at our office here, people the permission to do that, that they don't have to, everything doesn't have to hit and we're not interested in just everything being safe. I'm trying to make sure that that's broadly understood. Yeah, that's 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 a very good point. I mean, kids learn languages fast, probably partly to do that, right? They don't know if they're looking quote unquote silly everyone laughs yeah. and smiles because it's cute and it, it just i don't know maybe it accelerates their learning that yeah well i also think kids learn like i i watch like my kids just kids the speed at which they learn things compared to me it, it's kind of embarrassing i'm like i sh wow you were really terrible at this like two weeks ago and now you're just about better than me and that's disconcerting because we've been playing <laughs> together the whole time. <laughs> I've also been doing this, but yeah, no, it, kids just kind of get it. And then you do, you develop that like self-consciousness and that, that like, I don't know the, yeah, it really is. That's that kind of uh, insecurity around it. And, and like that just prevents a lot of, a lot of action, a lot of risk-taking. And I want that action and risk-taking. 
Awesome. So what's the future with what you're doing? Gosh, we're all going to become fabulously wealthy. Every contractor is going to use our app and love it. You know, there's never going to be any problem. I mean, we want with company cam, we're trying to help our customers, the contractors build trust through truth and transparency. They're capturing the facts on the ground. They're communicating them through their organization and with their customer. It allows for this kind of effective accountability, knowing what's going on, kind of like trusting that everything's getting done right. So we're continuing to, to basically, we want to be just be the best way when you're on site and you need to capture information, whether that's something you would write down in a notebook or you know even type into an app, we want to be the fastest, best way to capture that. And then we try to empower you to use that inside your company and with your customer. So th- and that's all kind of vague, but it really is like, like if we can be the best at that, I tell everyone here, there's always room in the market for the best. Maybe you would make more money if you had some smarter plan or, you know, or you were the cheapest or whatever. Ours is, hey, if we have, if we are the best way to do this and you cannot find a better way to, to capture and communicate in your contracting business, Every contractor needs to do this. We're the best at it. We're going to be fine. And then hopefully we, you know, we do a good job with marketing and sales and a lot of this other stuff, but just kind of being the best there. Now, we imagine, I imagine a future where we're really not just helping our customers' operations to like to work more effectively so that they can essentially be a better contractor. But we're trying to help the consumer and the contractor relationship. Like, how do we make this process, which is often kind of like frustrating for both parties and, you know, the stuff of common, oh, yeah, they, you know, didn't show up again, screwed this up. And then the, I know all the complaints from the contractor side, like, did a fine job. You know, they're not paying us. They're, uh, there's just a million ways in which problems arise. And we think, we think that facilitating the kind of like clear, expectations and communication that we really over the next few years can do something really powerful with that the the relationship between the contractor and the customer which helps the contractor grow their business and hopefully delivers a better experience to that customer yeah very cool is there anything that i did not ask you you wanted to cover before we uh close this off no i usually like to talk about bitcoin golf <laughs> no I, no we're I, I think we're good. Like this was, I didn't get deeply into the company cam sales pitch. So the, uh, yeah, I'll use this to do a 10 second sales pitch. You're a contractor. You have people working on jobs in different locations. Company cam is the tool for capturing what's happening out there, getting it easily organized so you can always find it and then having it delivered to you wherever you are. So you just know what's going on. You will know what's going on if you're using company cam. So I'd say, that's really it. The pitch for company cam. Otherwise, no, this was great. You let me talk and I like to talk. And so it worked. And you asked good questions. That was fun. All right. Well, Luke, thank you so much. I appreciate you uh, sharing your story. Hey, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Specify Growth Podcast today. Make sure you check out youtube.com forward slash tats talks for video of today's podcast hit the subscribe button for upcoming episodes
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>